The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. In this episode of Newt's World... We've got to stay in the street, and we've got to, we've got to demand justice. And I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that can say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. We've got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need this. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is... Verdict count one unintentional second degree murder while committing a felony. Find the defendant guilty. Count two third degree murder perpetrating an eminently dangerous act. Find the defendant guilty. Count three second degree manslaughter culpable negligence creating an unreasonable risk. Find the defendant guilty. Thank you, George Floyd, for sacrificing your life for justice, for being there to call out to your mom. I can't breathe, but because of you, your name will always be synonymous with justice. And now we have to make sure justice prevails in the sentencing. It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see. There's systemic racism that's a stain on our nation's soul. The knee on the neck of justice for black Americans, profound fear and trauma, the pain, the exhaustion, that black and brown Americans experience every single day. I'm going to chat about the Democrats' anti-America, pro-criminal, anti-police policies and biases. And you have to see them all wrapped together. I thought the decision yesterday was the system working. We had a policeman who had 
done something to harm an American citizen. The policeman had been arrested. He had been given a fair trial, just like every other American deserves. The jury had found him guilty on all three counts. And I thought that it was actually proof that there's no systemic racism since you have a judge and a jury finding a white policeman guilty of killing a black man. It's the opposite of systemic racism. It is the justice for the individual above their racial or ethnic background. And I thought it was a wonderful moment for a pro-American president to proclaim that this is what the world should see, that at a moment when the leading opposition figure in Russia is being systematically destroyed by Putin, at a moment when Xi Jinping is presiding over a totalitarian state that imprisons hundreds of thousands and engages in genocide, at a moment when the Cuban dictatorship continues its over a half-century policy of crushing the human spirit, at a moment when the socialists in Venezuela having deliberately packed the courts and left democracy behind run a thugocracy in which their thugs are the police. I mean, you can't call the police about crime in Venezuela because they are the criminals. At that moment, there was an opportunity for a pro-American president and pro-American vice president to stand up and say, this is why people come to America. And again, think about the whole insanity of this institutional racism argument. How come there are like well over a million people who come here legally every year, many of them non-white? How come there are hundreds of thousands already this year who have come from Latin America and elsewhere, most of whom are non-white? I mean, do you think they're so stupid that they said, let me look around the planet and find some place with institutional racism so I can go and be discriminated against? No. This is just a sign of the depth of the anti-American, pro-criminal, anti-police pathology of the modern Democratic Party. So I really want to take this apart step by step because I think it is so important that we draw a line in the sand. I had gotten deeply involved a few days ago because Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Detroit had come out for abolishing the police and closing the prisons. And Detroit had had a 23% increase in murders over the last year, about a 53% increase in non-fatal shootings. And in the middle of that kind of explosion of violence, her theory was, gee, if only we released all the murderers, rapists, bank robbers, killers, carjackers from the prisons, while at the same time eliminating the police, Detroit would suddenly become a paradise of unpoliced nice people drifting around chatting with each other. This was not a function of radical leftism or of wokeism. This is a function of insanity. It's a little bit like teaching somebody that bunny rabbits really like lions and that the Lion King is a documentary, not a fantasy. And so why don't you drop your bunny rabbit off with the lion so the lion can babysit them? Of course, there would be no bunny rabbit around when you came back. But still, if you were a good left-wing Democrat, you would figure that was just a sign that you hadn't put in enough bunny rabbits. So I'd started to get, get to get involved in this whole question of Rashida Tlaib and what she had proposed, which I thought was so guaranteed to get Americans killed that it deserved being taken head on. And then, of course, we had the spectacle, uh, once again, of Maxine Waters flying in from California. And ironically, 
asking for a police escort while she wanted to make an anti-police speech. I mean, you know, you have to really give these people some credit for sure chutzpah because they are willing on a regular basis to go out and do things that anybody who had any sense of decency wouldn't even imagine. Now, Waters' comments coming after several days of rioting, coming at a time when the Minnesota National Guard had been called up, and in fact, shortly after her speech, two members of the Minnesota National Guard sustained minor injuries as somebody shot at their vehicle. In that context, the fact is that when you looked at all this, Waters just couldn't help herself. So she comes and she makes a very incendiary speech. We're looking for a guilty verdict. We're looking for a guilty verdict, and we're looking to see if all of the talk that took place and has been taking place after they saw what happened to George Floyd, if nothing does not happen, then we know uh, that we've got to not only stay in the street, but we've got to fight for justice. But I am very hopeful, and I hope uh, that we're going to get a verdict that they say guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we, got, we cannot go away. we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. Now notice, she's not asking for justice. She never once thinks about it as, you know, I want an honest trial, I want an honest jury. No, she says she's looking for a guilty verdict. And the reason this matters so much is this transitions from the rule of law to the rule of politicians. And it is really dangerous to have politicians decide as the President of the United States himself said, he had been praying for a guilty verdict. Well, the President of the United States ought to be praying for justice. He ought to be praying for a jury that's honest. He ought to be praying for a fair trial. But for him to arrogate, as the leader of the entire country, that he's going to interfere, that he's going to suggest, oh, what would he have said if there had not been a guilty verdict? Would then it have been an open attack on the court system? And so... You have to stop and look. When we say that Waters was confrontational, we do it in part based on our own experience. If you go back and you look at what Waters said in 1992 during the riots in Los Angeles, where she basically took a pro-rioter position, or if you look at what Waters had been saying about going after Trump supporters, going into the restaurants, and by the way, Black Lives Matter, did go into a New York restaurants after the verdict. But Waters had said go into the restaurants, go into the gas stations, basically drive them out of society. Let's make sure we show up wherever we have to show up. And if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd. And you push back on them. And you tell them they're not welcome. Now, this is a congresswoman who's senior enough that she chairs the Financial Services Committee. And it tells you a lot about the Democrats that they seem to be comfortable having a demagogue of this quality leading one of their committees. In fact, so comfortable that when the Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, moved to condemn her, which would have stripped her of her chairmanship, the Democrats were unanimous. Every single 
Democrat in the House voted with Maxine Waters and voted to protect Maxine Waters despite what she had done. Now, how bad was what she had done? Not just talking as a Republican partisan, but let's look at some evidence that I thought was, frankly, quite astounding. When she made these incendiary comments in Minnesota, the judge came back and just publicly assaulted her. Listen to an American judge who is so infuriated by a politician who is basically threatening mob rule that he publicly speaks out and warns that she actually could have so tainted the environment that the defendant might well have an appeal just based on what she said. I'll give you that Congresswoman Waters may have given you something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. This goes back to what I've been saying from the beginning. I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch and our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, as usual, the Biden administration operates on the Humpty Dumpty rule. The words mean whatever they want them to mean. So when Speaker Pelosi defends Waters, she sets the stage for the White House to defend Waters. And by the way, it's pretty insulting to compare the civil rights movement 
which was actually moving against segregationist governments, all of them Democrat, by the way, in the South. And the great agony of the 50s and 60s and early 70s as the civil rights movement, in fact, did move America towards a much less racial society and a much less polarized society and did help lead the way to end legal segregation. It's insulting to have that legacy and the legacy of Reverend Martin Luther King and the legacy of John Lewis and the legacy of Andy Young turned into an excuse for going into a riot-torn area and urging confrontation, which I believe is the opposite of what Reverend King would have done. So when the president, who, as usual, can't quite help himself, decides that he's going to get in the middle of this, once again, Jen Psaki finds herself clarifying everything and explaining to us that whatever she really said, she didn't say. But I just want to play this one passage where Saki is asked by reporters first about what Kevin McCarthy had said and then about Waters' own statements. Thank you, Jen. One more question about the comments from sure. Congresswoman Waters. The House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is accusing her of inciting violence, and then you had the judge yesterday calling her words abhorrent and saying that she was being disrespectful of the rule of law. I just want to be very clear here. Does the White House condone the Congresswoman's comments? Well, first I would say again that the Congresswoman uh, clarified her own comments. And what I can do is speak for the president's view, which is that it's important to provide a space and an opportunity for peaceful protest. But protesting should be peaceful. That's something he has consistently advocated for, and he will regardless of the outcome of the trial. She was calling on some protesters to perhaps get more confrontation. And she's had additional comments since then, right? Yes. Okay. She okay. has. Which but, provide so, additional but, clarification. But I guess my White House believe that those kinds of comments are helpful in the middle of this trial that everybody knows uh, could lead to more violence and unrest? Well, again, I can speak to what the president's point of view is, which is that it's important to provide an opportunity for peaceful protest. That's what he's continued to advocate for, what he's consistently advocated for. But I would also say that when somebody provides a clarification for their comments, that's an important context to include in anybody's reporting. So when you look at that, you have the presidential press secretary basically defending, speaking out in the middle of a trial, politicians speaking out in the middle of the trial. Then you have the press secretary having to explain what the president really meant when the president said, I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, and that means guilty. I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict, which is, I think it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that, but the the jury was sequestered now, not hear me say that. So they ask her, what precisely did the president mean? Just a few minutes ago in the Oval Office, the president spoke about the trial of the Office of Office Jerry Tobin. He says, quote, I'm praying the verdict is the right verdict. He says, I think it's, quote, overwhelming in my view. Uh, so I have a couple of questions on this. We could start there. What precisely did the president mean? What is overwhelming? And does this mean the president thinks the police officer should be convicted on well, the president has clearly been watching the trial closely, as many Americans have been. Uh, he was also moved by, he's moved, he was moved by his conversations with the family yesterday. Uh, he knows the family, and as somebody who has been impacted by grief himself, uh, that was a large part of their conversation, the conversation he had just yesterday. Uh, as he also noted, uh, the jury is sequestered, uh, which is why he spoke to this. But I will ex but expect that he will weigh in uh, more 
further once there is a verdict, and I'm not going to provide additional analysis on what he meant. He did call for the right verdict, though. Um, why is it ever appropriate to have any type of characterization before the jury has a say, especially for the president? Again, we're state. going to wait for the jury to uh, come to their conclusion, and that is when he will have more extensive remarks about the outcome. Basically, she's ignoring what President Biden said. Now, Harris, as usual, is more radical than Biden. And Harris, of course, wants to immediately go to America's long history of systemic racism. I have to say, living in a country which has elected an African-American president twice, a country which, in Harris's own case, has elected her to the Attorney General of California, to the United States Senate, and now to be Vice President of the United States, that doesn't strike me as systemic racism. That strikes me as a country which is trying to find ways to bring us together. But that doesn't stop her. And I want you to listen to what Harris said on the evening of April 20th after the verdict. And imagine that you're the Chinese communist propagandist trying to figure out ways to communicate to the world that America is an evil place and that it is, in fact, very, very destructive. Good evening. First, I want to thank the jury for their service. And I want to thank Mr. Floyd's family for your steadfastness. Today, we feel a sigh of relief. Still, it cannot take away the pain. A measure of justice isn't the same as equal justice. This verdict brings us a step closer. And the fact is, we still have work to do. We still must reform the system. Last summer, together with Senator Cory Booker and Representative Karen Bass, I introduced the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. This bill would hold law enforcement accountable and help build trust between law enforcement and our communities. This bill is part of George Floyd's legacy. The President and I will continue to urge the Senate to pass this legislation, not as a panacea for every problem, but as a start. This work is long overdue. America has a long history of systemic racism. Black Americans, and black men in particular, have been treated throughout the course of our history as less than human. Black men are fathers and brothers and sons and uncles and grandfathers and friends and neighbors. Their lives must be valued in our education system, in our healthcare system, in our housing system, in our economic system, in our criminal justice system, in our nation. Full stop. Because of smartphones, so many Americans have now seen the racial injustice that black Americans have known for generations the racial injustice that we have fought for generations, that my parents protested in the 1960s, that millions of us, Americans of every race, protested last summer. Here's the truth about racial injustice. It is not just 
a black America problem or a people of color problem. It is a problem for every American. It is keeping us from fulfilling the promise of liberty and justice for all. When I listened to Harris, having looked carefully at what the Chinese had said in Alaska at the meeting, where they basically said, don't talk to us about Tibet or about the Uyghurs or about Hong Kong. Look at all the evil, terrible, bad things you're doing in the United States. And isn't it sad that you can't correct all your problems of racial injustice and so forth? It occurred to me that it would be a great skit to have a group of Chinese propagandists getting together, worried about becoming unemployed, because they couldn't possibly think of anything more anti-American than the American president and vice president. And so all they really have to do is tape them and play it back again and again. So what you have here is, one, a passion for saying something which I believe is totally false. And that is, this is not a systemically racist country. This is a country which is working very hard to integrate every American of every background. And by the way, to integrate millions of people from around the world. And it's sort of crazy that you have Biden and Harris passionately defending illegal immigration while they explain that the illegal immigrants are rushing to a country which is institutionally racist. I mean, there's something so inherently contradictory that it's astonishing. And yet, listen to President Biden's comments. A jury in Minnesota found former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin guilty on all counts in the murder of George Floyd last May. It was a murder in the full light of day, and it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see the systemic racism the Vice President just referred to. The systemic racism is a stain on our nation's soul. <clears throat> the knee on the neck of justice for black Americans. Profound fear and trauma. The pain, the exhaustion that black and brown Americans experience every single day. The murder of George Floyd launched a summer of protest we hadn't seen since the civil rights era in the 60s. Protests that unified people of every race and generation in peace and with purpose to say enough, enough, enough of this senseless killings. Today, today's verdict is a step forward. I just spoke with the governor of Minnesota who thanked me for the close work with his team. And I also spoke with George Floyd's family again. Remarkable family of extraordinary courage. Nothing can ever bring their brother, their father back. But this can be a giant step forward in the march toward justice in America. Let's also be clear that such a verdict is also much too rare. For so many people, it seems like it took a unique and extraordinary convergence of factors. A brave young woman with a smartphone camera, a crowd that was traumatized, traumatized witnesses, a murder that lasts almost 10 minutes in broad daylight for ultimately the whole world to see. Officers 
standing up and testifying against a fellow officer instead of just closing ranks, which should be commended. A jury who heard the evidence carried out their civic duty in the midst of an extraordinary moment, under extraordinary pressure. For so many, it feels like it took all of that for the judicial system to deliver a just, just basic accountability. We saw how traumatic and exhausting just watching the trial was for so many people. Think about it, those of you who are listening. Think about how traumatic it was for you. You weren't there. You didn't know any of the people. But it was difficult, especially for the witnesses who had to relive that day. It's a trauma. On top of the fear so many people of color live with every day when they go to sleep at night and pray for the safety of themselves and their loved ones. Again, as we saw in this trial from the fellow police officers who testified, most men and women who wear the badge serve their communities honorably. But those few who fail to meet that standard must be held accountable, and they were today. One was. No one should be above the law. And today's verdict sends that message. But it's not enough. We can't stop here. In order to deliver real change and reform, we can and we must do more to reduce the likelihood that tragedies like this will ever happen and occur again. To ensure the black and brown people, or anyone, so they don't fear the interactions with law enforcement, that they don't have to wake up knowing that they can lose their very life in the course of just living their life. They don't have to worry about whether their sons or daughters will come home after a grocery store run, or just walking down the street, or driving their car, or playing in the park, or just sleeping at home. And this takes acknowledging and confronting head-on systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and in our criminal justice system more broadly. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Faced with what Maxine Waters had done in Minnesota and faced with the whole process of the Democratic Party favoring criminals and opposing the police, trying to defund the police, trying to uh, close down prisons, and doing so in the middle of what has been described as the largest increase in murder in one year in American history. So the whole effect of the left has been to intimidate the police, weaken them numerically, create a sense of caution by virtually all the policemen in the country, and at the same time embolden the criminals and lead to an environment in which the innocent are being preyed upon by evil people who then are in effect protected by the Democratic Party. That's the context in which I was responding to Rashida Tlaib's tweet, which said the following, quote, it was not an accident. Policing in our country is inherently and intentionally racist. Dante Wright was met with congression and violence. I am done with those who condone government-funded murder. No more policing, incarceration, and militarization. It can't be reformed. Well, if there's no more policing and there's no more incarceration, exactly what does Congresswoman Tlaib think will happen? For example, in Michigan in 2019, the total prison population was 38,000. 28,000 of those were being held for what Michigan calls assaultive offenses, which includes assault, kidnapping, manslaughter, stalking, rape, armed robbery, unarmed robbery, carjacking, and terrorism. So if you thought that Tlaib actually meant anything, and when she calls for abolishing the prisons, she's calling for releasing back into Michigan life at a time of dramatically rising crime. 28,759 people who had been convicted of an assaultive offense, which includes, I want to repeat so you understand how serious this is, assault, kidnapping, manslaughter, stalking, rape, armed robbery, unarmed robbery, carjacking, and terrorism violations. 14% of the state prisoners were serving time for murder, 13% were serving time for rape or sexual assault. Those are national numbers. So nationally, there are 117,700 state prisoners serving time for murder and 162,700 serving time for rape or sexual assault. Now, 
what does Tlaib think is going to happen? The combined group comes to something like 279,000, 280,000 people. What does she think will happen if you put that kind of population of violent people back on the streets? The final irony of all this, and the proof of the utter, total, hypocritical demagoguery, is the fact that all of these people who are for defunding the police are for funding private security. The most flagrant is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who said, quote, defunding police means defunding police. It does not mean budget tricks or funny math. It does not mean moving school police officers from the New York Police Department budget to the Department of Education's budget so the exact same police remains in schools. So she's hard line. Defunding the police means defunding the police. When it comes to her personal safety, how hard line is she? Well, in the first quarter, January, February, March, she spent $37,000 on security from her campaign funds. That included... $24,000 24000 to Three Bridges, New York for security, $9,000 to Sabon Collective for security consultants, $849 to Three Bridges, New York for security, and two payments of $1,552 to 24-7 security and investigation. That was for a security detail in Houston. Ilhan Omar, meanwhile, who tweeted about defunding the police, quote, We lose people in the hands of police. It is not a slogan, but a policy demand. And centering the demand for equitable investments and budgets for committees across the country gets us progress and safety. Now, according to FEC reports, in January, February, and March, Ilhan spent $3,203 on security. Corey Bush, a freshman Democrat who has pushed to defund the police, tweeted, quote, It's not a slogan. It's a mandate for keeping our people alive. Defund the police. However, he doesn't want to defund his police because in the first three months of the year, he spent $35,000 on security, including $1,000 to whole armor executive protection and another $530 to whole armor executive protection. I mean, I just love this concept. Here's this person who's rushing off to give an anti-police speech while protected by whole armor executive protection. Ayanna Presley tweeted, quote, police don't belong in our schools, social workers and nurses do. Now, she's so confident of safety that in the first three months of the year, she spent $4,000 on security. My only point about all of this is that you have people who, when it's about them, understand the value of security and police. When it's about you, they're willing to risk releasing murderers, robbers, rapists, carjackers, and hoping you survive in a city with no police. I think it's very important that we have a national debate. Crime is going to get worse, not better. We've been through this before. In fact, I just went and got a copy of Fort Apache, The Bronx, which is a Paul Newman movie made in 1981 about a precinct that was under siege in the Bronx because I was going back and looking at Clint Eastwood and his movies about police in the 1970s. And we're right back in the same cycle. You have left-wing policies with left-wing prosecutors, with left-wing mayors, virtually all of them Democrats. They believe in a series of policies which are crazy. They do not work, and they get people killed. And you have a totally one-sided vision of what's going on. And I'm going to continue doing research because I think when you realize how many people 10 and under have been killed in the U.S. this year, you'll be horrified at the indifference of the Democratic Party 
to, to the kind of carnage that their policies are creating. Finally, I think every American who loves this country and who understands that having our national leadership smear America so that every anti-American element in the world can use our own president and our own vice president to condemn us has to speak out and has to say this is totally unacceptable. And if the president of the United States can't say good things about America, just shut up. But don't keep giving the Chinese and the Russians ammunition to try to convince the entire rest of the world that we're a bad country. Although I must say, it doesn't seem to have been working because millions of people want to come to the U.S. There's no great migration to China. There's no great migration to Russia. There's no huge rush to get into Iran. Somehow it's only this country that President Biden and Vice President Harris can't find it in their hearts to say anything good about. It's only this country, which still is a symbol of freedom, a symbol of opportunity, and a chance for people to have a better life for their children and their futures. I believe in the end, truth will win. I believe in the end, people have more common sense than the politicians. And I think that we really need to be prepared to stand up and make the case that these policies, these aren't random accidents. This isn't a thunderstorm or a tornado or a hurricane. These are policy-driven disasters created by a left-wing ideology which dominates the Democratic Party and which is consistently now producing more death, more violence. The largest increase in murders in American history in one year was literally shaped by this, and we're continuing to have an increase because we're doing almost everything wrong if your goal is to save innocent people and to eliminate crime. So I will continue to report on this, and sadly I'm confident that they will continue to give us more and more ammunition to share with you. Neutral is produced by Gingrich 360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers. Our producer is Garnsey Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying Newt's World, I hope you'll go to Apple Podcast and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of Newt's World can sign up for my three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Newt Gingrich. This is Newt's World. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.